Welcome back, Crimeholics. It's your host, Holly. I am back with another solved murder case for you all. This week's case is one that, though very tragic, has gone on to help shape new safety measures and precautions that millions of people use every single day. I'd like to think that because of her tragic murder, she has gone on to save many more lives. So without further ado, let's get into the case of the horrific murder of Samantha Josephson. of us slide into the back of an Uber or Lyft on our way home from a night out at the bar or to take a trip over to a friend's house or if we were headed to an appointment and our loved one had our car or even Ubering to work every single day. According to carsurance.net, Uber provides about 15 million rides every single day. And every month, Uber hires about 50,000 new drivers to help people get to their destinations. People in over 10,000 cities worldwide are taking Ubers, and that's not including the other rideshare companies that are across the globe as well. But as you open up that passenger door now in 2022, there's a lot more precautions and safety measures that are available on the app today, including a picture of your driver, the driver's name, the make and model of their car, and its license plate number. And many of these safety precautions came about in 2019. Samantha Josephson was a beautiful 21-year-old woman who had so much life ahead of her. Born in Princeton, New Jersey in 1998 to her parents Seymour and Marcy, and she also had a sister named Sydney. Life growing up was normal for the girls and their parents, and they lived in a small township called Robbinsville. Marcy recalls her daughter as being funny and someone who just loved to make people laugh. Samantha was smart, but she was a little bit sassy as well. But overall, she was kind, caring, and adventurous. Samantha was the type of person who, if she saw someone being mean or picking on someone else, she would call them out on it. Her father, Seymour, described his daughter as being a driven and amazing young lady. The kind that would accomplish anything that she put her mind to. In 2015, Samantha would go off to college at the University of South Carolina, where she majored in political science, with the hopes and dreams of someday going to law school to become a lawyer. While in college, Samantha made many friends and continued to blossom into an incredible person that so many people loved. She also met her boyfriend named Greg in 2017, and he was also attending the college, and he was a year older than she was. During her college years, she was part of a sorority, and she also studied abroad in Barcelona. Again, Samantha was adventurous and loved the opportunity to travel and explore new places. In early 2019, Samantha was in her senior year of college, with graduation just weeks away. According to the See No Evil episode on Samantha, she had just aced her exams and earned herself a full-ride scholarship to Drexel University School of Law. Things were on the up and up. Weeks away from graduating, headed off to law school, everything seemed to be falling into place for Samantha. Not only that, but her relationship with Greg was better than ever. 
He had graduated the year prior and moved back home about two and a half hours away from USC. But the distance didn't hurt the relationship like we often see in couples. If anything, it made them grow stronger. They were constantly chatting via text or FaceTime, and they'd check in with each other throughout the day just to see how things were going or even just to simply ask what they had ate for lunch that day. And with Greg just living two hours away, they saw each other pretty often. And one thing they enjoyed doing together was watching sports. They both loved sports, so they would often go to the football games together. And another one of their favorite things to do together was to go visit an area called Five Points, which is where they first met. This area is known for shopping, food, places to drink, and the nightlife. On March 28, 2019, Samantha had just received some bad news from a family member about that family member's medical condition. She was really down and depressed at this news. Her boyfriend Greg told her that she needed to get out, she needed to go out with her girlfriends, and just enjoy herself. He told her that she should go out to get her mind off things, spend some time with her closest friends, and to go celebrate the news of her getting into law school. That following weekend, she was going to be headed to visit him in his hometown, so he told her just to take the night and go spend it with the girls. Samantha agreed that it was probably better to go out with friends instead of dwelling on things that she couldn't change. She and her friends arrived at a place called the Bird Dog, located at the Five Points neighborhood in Columbia around 12.30 a.m., The Bird Dog is a popular place for not only Samantha and her friends, but many other college-aged people. The bar was always packed and was just located in such a good area for people to kind of mill about and have that great nightlife. While out that night, Samantha's friends noticed that she just wasn't herself and that though she tried to take her mind off the bad news, she was still having a really hard time letting loose and enjoying herself. That evening, she kind of stuck to herself in the corner of the bar and she was often texting with Greg. At one point, she ended up getting separated from her friends, and it was around this time that she just decided that she was going to call it a night and head home. Around 2 a.m., Samantha called Greg on the phone and told him that she was going to be headed home and that she ordered herself an Uber to take the couple-mile drive up to her house on Main Street. Surveillance footage shows Samantha waiting outside of the bird dog for her Uber at 2.06 a.m. on the phone with Greg. At 2.12 a.m., Samantha is seen still waiting on the sidewalk when a black Chevy Impala pulls into the handicapped parking spot directly next to where she was standing. Samantha approached the rear passenger door and hopped into the backseat, ready to head home. The Chevy Impala then backs up and heads southeast on Hardin Street, which was the opposite direction from where Samantha lived. Now, Samantha and Greg shared their location with each other on the app called Find My Friends on their iPhones. This is something that a lot of people do these days for safety precautions and is something I myself do. I share my location with several people so that I have people at all times knowing where I am. And while some people don't like the idea of being tracked or people knowing their location, I do it so my closest friends and family could find me or my phone in case of any kind of emergency. So Greg, knowing that the love of his life was standing on a curb alone by herself at 2 a.m., was periodically checking her location to make sure that she arrived back home safely. Greg noticed fairly quickly that something wasn't right. 
he watched as Samantha's phone location continued to travel south again in the completely opposite direction that she lived. When the location wasn't turning to head in the right direction, Greg tried to call Samantha, but she didn't answer. He tried to text her, but the messages went unread. He tried to Snapchat her, and those also went unopened. During all of his attempts to make contact with Samantha, he was watching her location as it continued to travel further southeast. At 2.40 a.m., 28 minutes after she got into the Chevy Impala, Samantha's phone would go dark, and Greg no longer could track her location. Greg then began reaching out to Samantha's friends, but they also hadn't heard from her. So Greg started wondering if maybe Samantha did make it home, but maybe she accidentally left her phone inside of that Uber. With that being the only plausible scenario for Greg, he went ahead and went to sleep, assuming that he would hear from her in the morning. Samantha had a morning shift at her job at the Liberty Tap Room, and when still no word from Samantha came to Greg, he decided that he would call her work to see if she made it in and to speak with her to find out what happened to her phone. But to his surprise, and very much panic, Samantha was a no-show that morning. Obviously, this was when Greg knew that something wasn't right. Once more, he reached out to Samantha's friends, and they also hadn't heard anything from her either. Greg got into his car and rushed back to USC to help begin the search for his girlfriend. By 2 p.m., he and her friends filed a missing persons report, and they also started doing their own search for Samantha. They called the hospitals and jails within the area, but she wasn't there. They then went to the bird dog where Greg actually had friends working there at the bar that day who allowed him to go upstairs and check over the surveillance footage. He was able to find Samantha outside just after 2 a.m. on the phone talking to him waiting for her ride. With the footage in hand, Greg and her friends went to the police department and handed over the footage and gave further statements about her disappearance. After they were done giving their statements, the group was then led to a private office where they were surprised to find that Samantha's parents were already there. When they saw them, they looked very distraught. Samantha's parents had just received the news that no parent wants to hear. Before the search could actually begin for Samantha, it was already over. Samantha's body had been discovered in a wooded area 65 miles southeast from the bird dog by turkey hunters earlier that morning. Samantha had been viciously attacked and sustained more stab wounds than responding officers could even count while processing the scene. Everyone took the news extremely hard about Samantha's murder, but Greg was utterly gutted at the thought that he had watched Samantha's last moments taking place virtually as her phone continued to travel southeast. I can only imagine the guilt that Greg felt, though he was over two hours away when all of this took place. I am sure it completely guts him. There was nothing he could have done to save and protect Samantha on that night. And my heart aches for him because I am sure that's a hard pill for him to swallow. The investigation ramped up and thanks to Greg and her friends for handing over the surveillance footage, authorities already had a car of interest and the timeline of when she was picked up and the direction in which she traveled. There was also one of her roommates who helped make another discovery as well. 
While they were trying to track down Samantha, her friend gained access to her laptop where she discovered that the Uber that Samantha had ordered that night had actually been canceled by the driver, which meant that whoever Samantha got into the car with wasn't her intended Uber driver at all, but someone who was waiting for an opportunity to strike. With all of this information in hand, police had a great start in the search of who killed Samantha. While scouring the surveillance footage, they found that same vehicle that Samantha had accidentally gotten into, it had been lurking around that area for a while. At one point after the car drove past where Samantha was standing alone, the car is seen making a U-turn before pulling in to pick her up. Also on the CCTV footage, they spotted Samantha approaching another vehicle first, thinking it was her Uber. And at that same time she approached this car, the black Chevy Impala was stopped behind another car waiting for them to turn. And this black Chevy Impala was also within eyesight of Samantha. So it's possible that this driver had seen Samantha attempt to get in this other car and assume that she was waiting for a ride and that he could potentially strike. Authorities at this point were on high alert to look out for a black Chevy Impala, and it wasn't long before they found one. A police officer that was patrolling the Five Points neighborhood spotted a car that fit the description of the one that took Samantha. The location wasn't even a quarter mile up the road from where Samantha was last seen alive at the Bird Dog Bar. The officer followed behind the Impala for a short distance before turning on their lights to pull them over. The driver turned down a residential neighborhood and then pulled over. When the officer approached, he could smell a strong smell of marijuana and asked the driver about it. The driver admitted to smoking some earlier. The officer asked the driver to step out of the vehicle. When the driver got out of the car, the officer begins telling him that the reason that he pulled him over was due to the fact that his car matches a suspect's vehicle that they were looking for. The officer at this point noticed that the guy had his hands in his pockets and he ordered him to take them out. It was about this time that the man took off on foot and started running through the residential neighborhood. Authorities chased him down and after the suspect tried to hide, they were able to find him and arrest him. His name was Nathaniel Rowland. Nathaniel was 24 years old and had somewhat of a record for things like traffic violations, being charged with an open container in 2018, but he also had something on his record that piqued investigators' interest. In October of 2018, Nathaniel was allegedly one of two men who abducted a woman by carjacking when she was at a traffic light. The two men assaulted her and then forced the woman to drive to a nearby ATM where they drained her bank account. They then forced her to drive to her own home where they stole valuable items. Several hours after this incident, Nathaniel went and sold some of those items to a pawn shop, which then authorities were ultimately able to track back to him. He was charged with having the stolen items, but he wasn't charged for the carjacking or the assault, which I find very unfortunate because had he been charged, Samantha may have not met the fate that she met. When Nathaniel's car was searched, they found a large amount of blood all over the passenger seats as well as in the trunk of the car. Inside the glove box, they also located Samantha's iPhone. Inside the car, they also found a serious amount of cleaning supplies that indicated that Nathaniel either tried to clean up or that he was planning to do a serious deep clean of the car. At his home, they also found more cleaning supplies and also a two-bladed knife. 
on the knife, they were able to positively identify blood that belonged to Samantha. Her blood had also been found under Nathaniel's fingernails, as well as on some of the clothing items that they were able to recover from his home. Nathaniel was charged with kidnapping, murder, and the possession of a weapon during the commission of a crime. In July of 2021, Nathaniel's trial began. The prosecution called upon many witnesses, including the turkey hunters that found Samantha's lifeless body, law enforcement investigators, and medical experts. In court, they also showed CCTV footage that showed Nathaniel's car on the prowl for about 25 minutes before he picked up Samantha. He made several laps around the bird dog before he set his eyes on Samantha. As I said earlier, it's also on footage, which they showed in court, him nearby where he could see Samantha attempting to get into another car before he made the decision to pick her up. Once inside the vehicle, he activated the child safety locks, which made it so Samantha couldn't open the door from the inside. Evidence of the cell phones pinging together was also presented in court to further prove that Samantha and Nathaniel were together on the night that she was kidnapped and killed. Dr. Thomas Beaver, who was the forensic pathologist on the case, testified in court that Samantha had been violently stabbed over 120 times. Many of those wounds were to her face, neck, shoulder, torso, back, lungs, legs, and feet. Samantha had also sustained several fatal wounds to her brain and neck. The Post and Courier Columbia also reported that Samantha fought back hard and tore her own fingernails as she clawed her attacker before she was murdered. Hours after Samantha's murder, Nathaniel was caught at two different ATMs in the Sumter area attempting to withdraw money from her account, but was unsuccessful. The footage obtained from the ATMs were also presented in court where you can see Nathaniel attempting to cover his face to hide his identity. On July 27, 2021, after a little over an hour of deliberations, the jury found that Nathaniel Rowland was guilty of the kidnapping and murder of Samantha Josephson. He was sentenced to life in prison. Samantha Josephson's life was cut far too short. She had so much life left to live, so many things she had yet to achieve and accomplish. But as I stated at the beginning of this episode, Samantha's death was not in vain. Lawmakers across the country passed legislation not long after her killing that required all rideshare vehicles to display an illuminated sign featuring their company's name. According to WCNC, in September 2019, both Uber and Lyft expanded safety measures nationwide. Within the app, Uber now has an emergency button that you can press that will connect users to 911. Uber also started to require drivers to snap selfies periodically to ensure they are where they claim to be in the app. They also started a ride verification system, which is available and requires drivers to enter a PIN number from the passenger before the ride can begin. Lyft also added some features to the app, including a feature that allows you to share your ride and location with friends. And if your ride is stopped too soon or for an unusual amount of time, a representative will reach out to you to see if you need help. I also want to remind everyone, if you're utilizing a rideshare service, make sure you're checking the license plate number of the car before you get inside. 
Samantha's family also went on to start the What's My Name Foundation in honor of Samantha, with the mission to educate the world on rideshare safety. They also support charitable organizations and provide college scholarships to selected high school seniors. They preach that before you get in a rideshare that you ask, what's my name? And then you remember Samantha's name as you get in. I will have the link to the What's My Name Foundation listed in the description of this episode so you can check it out, read up on Samantha's story, learn more about things that they sell such as flyers and pamphlets to hand out to bring awareness to rideshare safety. They also often host events in honor of Samantha and again to bring awareness to safety measures to take when using services like Lyft and Uber. They have a 5K run or a one-mile walk that is coming up on September 24th, 2022. The event is set to start at 9 a.m. and is being held in Robbinsville, New Jersey. If you're in the area and you want to join in, I will have the direct link to the signups also available in the description of this episode. Crimeaholics, if you're not already a part of our private Facebook group, you can find us on there by searching Crimeaholics Podcast Discussion Group. In there, we share all information and pictures pertaining to the cases that we cover, and we also encourage all of our members to share all things true crime. You can also follow us on Instagram at crimeaholics.podcast. And if you want more true crime content, you can follow me on TikTok, which is the same username of crimeaholics.podcast. And lastly, if you wish to follow myself personally, you can find me on Instagram at crimeaholic. Crimeaholics, that is all for this week's case. Until next time, be aware and take care. And remember Samantha when you get into an Uber or a Lyft or other rideshare services. Take care. Music.